Welcome to Saving Grace Church, located in Indiana, Pennsylvania. Our mission at Saving Grace Church is to love God, love others, and reach the world for Christ. We hope that this message brings you closer to God and helps strengthen your walk with Christ. Well, we are starting a new series today called The Heart for the Harvest, and we're going to be doing this for the month of September. So this is a four-week series. As you can see, the set behind me has a lot to do with the series. Our design team did an awesome job. They're working hard on Friday, setting all this up. We really appreciate uh, your hard work. So let me pray, and then we'll jump into the message. Father, thank you that you love to save and gather. Lord, you sent your son Jesus for a great harvest. And I pray that you would ignite something and spark something in every single one of us today, that we would have a much more intense passion and desire and compassion towards those who don't know you and those you you have brought into your kingdom but are just stumbling around and need help and care. Give us eyes to see what you see today. And we ask all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, like I said, we're starting a four-week series called A Heart for the Harvest. And I don't know about you, I love this time of year. I may have gained 10 pounds this past week um, from being at the first at the Armstrong County Fair, then the Indiana County Fair. And I just love greasy fair food of all sorts. And uh, there's, if you're local, there are two more fairs kind of hidden fairs that you might not know about. The Ox Hill Fair is coming up, a very tiny little fair, but it has all the fair food that I enjoy. And then the Cookport Fair as well. So mark your calendars. Well, during this season of this series, I want you to have images in your head, okay? I want you to think about a physical harvest. I want you to think about apple orchards and pumpkin fields and cornfields and cucumbers and zucchinis and squash. I want you to have those images in your head. So this isn't an apple. You should know that. This is a potato. This is corn. If you're a guest, I'm not trying to insult your intelligence. Um, But when you think about these things, what I don't want you to picture is an apple. I want you to picture an apple pie or an apple dumpling or apple crisp. When you think about corn, think corn on the cob, think uh, cornbread. When you think about potatoes, think garlic mashed potatoes or whatever you enjoy. When you think about a zucchini, picture chocolate zucchini bread. When you think about cucumbers, think about cucumber salads if you like those. When you think about a tomato, don't think just about the tomato. Think about it on your favorite large half-pound burger. The reason I want you, yeah, or a BLT, even better. The reason I want you to think about that is because in a harvest of food, it it usually, with the exception of maybe an apple, if you like to chomp on tomatoes like me, usually we cultivate them into something else. And so we gather them. Farmers work hard all year. They plant, they plow, they take care, they tend, they water, they fertilize, and then they harvest. But a lot of times, The work really begins at the harvest. They're gathering, and then we buy these things, and then we cultivate them. We change them. We transform them into something else. Well, for the next four weeks, we're going to talk and look hard at Jesus' spiritual harvest. 
And the image I want you to have in your mind is as God saves people and brings them into the church, He intends to transform them, to cultivate them into something else. And do you know who He intends to use to help in the cultivation process? You guys. Primarily the church. Not primarily even the pastors. Primarily you all. And so my heart for this series is that our hearts would be stirred and we would get Jesus' vision for the harvest. Our main passage today is going to be Matthew 9, uh, verse 35 through 38. Listen as I read. And these passages are best imagined. So picture faces and people. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, healing every disease and every affliction. And when he saw the crowd, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. As we pray for the church, as Bob and I and other leaders pray for the church, one of the things we are convinced of is the Lord wants to use you all. He wants all of you to be increasingly more active with your gifts and abilities to care for the harvest, to care for those the Lord has already brought in, and to care for the people that He will bring in. And I want to persuade you, we're going to work hard for a month to persuade you that God has given you gifts and abilities to engage those around you with Jesus Christ. So we're going to start very basic today. First question, what is the harvest? Well, like I said, physically, harvest is a gathering of crops. So you plant, you water, eventually you get an ear of corn. You harvest. And this time of year, whether you're at fairs or at county market or at a grocery store, you'll see the reaping of lots of hard work. This is harvest time in western Pennsylvania. Well, spiritually speaking, the harvest is basically the same thing. The harvest is everyone who has been brought into God's kingdom. Everyone who is a Christian has been part of a harvest. You and I, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have been part of Christ's harvest at some time. Some of you, it's happened this year. Some of you, it happened in the 70s. But God continues to bring in a large harvest. And just like in the physical sense of a harvest, the Lord is at work behind the scenes before people come to faith in Christ. He's plowing hearts. I know that happened for me. For months as a 19-year-old, I began to feel guilty and more guilty for all my sins that I was committing as an IUP student. Before... I heard the good news of Jesus. He was plowing my heart. And then, gospel seeds are planted in the hearts of men and women. You have all shared the gospel with people. People shared the gospel with me before I was a Christian. And then in time, one day, 
the lights came on and I turned to Jesus Christ and I put my faith in him and you did as well. See, that's the harvest. But if you would have met me as a 19-year-old, brand new Christian, I didn't look as good as this potato. I was messy. I needed cultivation. I needed care. I didn't know anything about being a disciple of Jesus Christ. And do you know what the Lord used to transform me, to change me primarily? He used his church. He used his people of all ages and all different backgrounds who would spend time with me and and talk to me and encourage me and rebuke me and pray for me. It was the same with you. But see, you were brought in to be part of cultivating a future harvest. Listen to this passage in 1 Peter 2.10. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. I want you to remember that. One time, one particular time in your life, there was a point in time you were not part of God's family. You were not God's people. But if you are in Christ, now you are. Now you are part of God's family. And if you are part of God's family, the call on your life is to help others as God brings them in through yet another harvest. See, I don't want you to to think of an apple the same way again. Now, some of us like to eat apples, just plain apples. But I want you always, from here on out, when you see an apple, think of the best thing this apple could be. See, that's what God wants to do when he brings people in to his kingdom. He wants us to help and encourage and motivate and pray for and spur on so that they go from spiritual death to spiritual life, God's enemy to God's son or daughter, and then they become useful for the kingdom of God. And you and I have a major role to play in the lives of those God's bringing in. See, Jesus came to gather a very large and increasing harvest. One of the things I want to happen as a result of this series is wherever you go in our community, you would see people that the Lord wants to draw to himself. That your vision would grow and grow for what the Lord can do. And here's the good news. We know it's going to happen. This is a guaranteed mission. We get a glimpse of it in the book of Revelation. Chapter 7. This is of a future day. After this I looked. And behold a great multitude that no one could number. That no one could number. From every nation. From all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. A great multitude that you can't number. Even the smartest mathematician in this room or in this, at IUP or in this community cannot number. A numberless huge bride that Jesus purchased with his own blood. See, the Lord wants to bring in a large harvest in every generation. Ours is no exception. So every church in this region that preaches the gospel 
proclaims Jesus Christ is part of the ingathering of the harvest. And we, Saving Grace Church, we get to play a part. See, Jesus said the harvest is plentiful. So I looked up the Greek word and, and what are some of the things it, it, it means. This first one's going to sound, I didn't even think it was a word. So another, another word for plentiful is multitudinous. Not a word I use very often. But it, it gives the, the, the picture of exponential growth. Uh, another word that I don't use ever is plenteous. The harvest will be plenteous. Um, a word I use more often, it will be great. I get that word. That word makes sense to me. The idea is quantity. It's a large mass of people the Lord has brought in. See, if you and I really believe that, it affects the way we pray. It affects the way we talk to people. It affects our expectation of who Jesus wants to save and will save. Think of it this way. Jesus didn't say the harvest is going to be slight this year. It's going to be scarce. We have too many workers. You all should go home. Don't even worry about it. I can take it myself. No big deal. Or at our church, hey, Bob and I got this. No big deal. Uh, it's the exact opposite. It's going to be abundant, and we all have a part to play in it. See, we are not finished with cultivating and caring for God's harvest until Christ comes back. I was thinking about this today. I was looking in the mirror and thinking, I've been a part of this church for 21 years. When I first joined the church, I didn't have any evidence of balding. I had no gray hair. And really from the outset, been, been a part of different ministries in the church and I think time is elapsing. I want to feel personally the sense of urgency that we have good work to do now. Time's elapsing. Time's clipping. We're getting older. I'm getting older. And that should make me even more vigilant and diligent in equipping you all and praying for the harvest, praying and training more workers in the harvest, and being bolder with the good news of Jesus Christ. There's a great verse in Acts 18. And this will speak to those of you who are maybe overly concerned about the trend in culture away from the Lord and um, just the, maybe the, the darkness that seems to be upon the land. Uh, this is a, something the Lord said to the Apostle Paul when he was in Corinth, which was a wicked city um, that would make any big city in the United States present day look rather moral. So it was a dark place. A lot of bad stuff happening there. This is what Jesus said to Paul as they're on their missionary journeys. They're praying, should we engage? Should we disengage? What should we do, Lord? Do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent. That is my encouragement to you all if you know Jesus. Do not be afraid. But go on speaking, and do not be silent. Why, Lord? For I am with you. I am with you. Jesus Christ is with us in this mission. And no one will attack you or harm you. For, listen to this, I have many in this city 
who are my people. I have many in the city who are my people. See, if we were in Corinth, we think, whoa, this place is wild and crazy. When Jesus looks at it, hey, there's my bride. There's the people I want to bring in. There's the, the sinners that need forgiven and cleaned up and washed and made whole. And boy, is there going to be a transformation in this city. See, when God looks at western Pennsylvania, I don't think it's changed at all. He has many people in this region, in our region, where he's placed us, in your workplace, in your neighborhood. He has many And he wants you to share the good news of Jesus. He wants you to care for those who get saved and are are just stumbling around. Listen to verse 11 as a response. Paul stayed there a year and six months. Eighteen months he labored there, teaching the word of God among them. And a church was born. We have 1 and 2 Corinthians. That's the messy church that God brought to life through Paul and his team preaching the good news. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God has many people in this area yet to be saved? I pray that you would believe that. Let me just give you some general statistics of our region. In our county alone, there are 85,000 people. At IUP and IUP students, we love having you here. There is approximately 12,000 students who are on campus right now. In Westmoreland County, there are 352,000 people. In Cambria County, there are 133,000 people. In Armstrong County, there are 67,000 people. So this is all our area. Let's call it our neighborhood. There's well over a half a million people. If you do the math with every active church that believes in Jesus and preaching the gospel, we're not scratching the surface yet. And the Lord wants... To use us all. He wants to stir you and I. See, this is what he did. Jesus did this by foot. He didn't have the internet. He didn't have cars. He didn't have airplanes. He just did it by foot. So let's look at our our main passage again. Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. There was power, healing every disease and every affliction. And when he saw the crowds, this is what he didn't say. Oh, I wish they'd go away. I wish they'd stop bothering me. I wish they'd talk to somebody else. I wish they'd look for help somewhere else. No, he, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. The harvest is abundant and plentiful. Pray, therefore, earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. Here's why I don't want you to think about this series, that this is primarily a series on evangelism. It's partially a series on evangelism, but in many ways, All the work for the church after sharing the good news begins when people are brought into God's kingdom. We're messy. We're messy when we're maturing. We're real messy at the beginning. Um, Bob Santos, who has spoken here, who's part of Summit, a good friend of mine, uh, he was the first 
Christian, older Christian man to disciple me. He had a full-time job. He had two young children. And I would wake him up in the middle of the night to bring him into my mess. And he would gladly, well, at least on his face, he always looked happy about it. He helped me tremendously. But he sacrificed sleep and time and energy. And I was just one of many IUP students that he poured his life into. Why did he do that? Because he knew the harvest was more than just sharing the gospel and letting someone respond and then just kind of go on their way. No, he knew in many ways the hard work came when you roll up your sleeves and you get to work and you listen and you pray and you talk to and you teach others. See, behind me there's a, there's a basket of apples. If we leave that bushel basket in this room till Christmas, it's not going to look as nice as it does right now. It's going to be smelly, it's going to be rotten, it's going to have bugs on it, um, it's going to decay. Well, God's people will never rot away because God's Holy Spirit is in them, but they certainly will not have the health that God intends for them if they're not cared for by the church. See, we have a major role in helping and caring for those God brings in. So when you think of the harvest, yes, it is evangelism, but it is so much more than evangelism. And see, God is calling us to be increasingly active in caring as you're able, as you're gifted, as you are stirred by the Lord. See, the Bible just calls this discipleship. Famous verse, Matthew 28. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples. We, we memorize that. We know that part of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We get that part. Here's where the wheels fall sometimes. Verse 20. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. When someone, particularly an adult or a teenager, comes to faith in Christ, having not been raised in a church, they need discipleship. They need help. They need help with life. They need help with how to follow the Lord and not pursue sin when life gets hard. They need help with marriage and parenting and broken relationships. They need all kinds of help. And so as we pray for the harvest, In many ways, we're praying for work for us. As we say, Lord, save a large multitude in Indiana County and beyond. And he answers that prayer. That means you and I have good work to do. That means like Bob Santos, we're going to lose some sleep. We're going to be inconvenienced. And we're going to be the better for it. And we're going to have more joy because of it as we watch the Lord work. Second question, do you see the harvest all around you? I pray, my prayer is whatever group of people you go out into this week, you would see them differently. Everybody see what this is? This is a pink Easter egg. One of the things my son, my 10-year-old son, Adam and I like to do on Sunday evenings is watch Funniest Home Videos. And last Sunday, there were reruns from Easter. And so, and it was all little boys. We watched little boys hunting for Easter eggs. And I tell you, the egg was like right there. And you just saw these little boys walking around and their parents keep coaxing them. Oh, no, it's over there. 
and they walked right by it. No, it's over there. They walked right by and it went on for, you know, minutes. And so we're laughing and they're like stepping over it. They can't see it. And I was thinking, I think there are some of us who are like that when it comes to the harvest. It is right there. It is right in front of us. And we don't have the eyes to see it the way the Lord sees it. And so I pray, my prayer for myself is that I would see it more. For you all, that you would see it more. So I want to wreck those of you who are like me naturally, and I like, I like to get things done. I'm pretty type A. I like to be on time. I like to have to-do lists and crank through them. If I go to Lowe's, I'm in and out. If I go to Walmart, I'm in and out. If I go to Aldi, I'm in and out. I want you to see people in all those circumstances. So the next time something breaks in your house and you make the five trips to Lowe's, think and pray, Lord, is there somebody you want me to talk to today in Lowe's? Is there a reason I'm here the fifth time today? Um, Or in Walmart, IUP students, we love you, but you do make the lines longer. And so... um, as you're in, even with that automatic checkout thing, um, as, as you're in those lines, rather than cursing Walmart and the IUP students, pray, Lord, is there anybody I can encourage in this line that I'm, I'm trapped in? When you're at Meadows eating ice cream and the line is consistently long, Lord, is there anybody we can talk? I mean, ice cream is a beautiful way to care for people. Everybody's relatively happy. They're eating ice cream, and they're standing in lines. And so everybody's kind of trapped there, and then after they get their cone, they're, they're in that parking lot area that is crowded. Pray, Lord, is there anyone here that you would have me encourage and pray for him and maybe minister to in any way? I know there's a lot of football fans in the church, and I'm a football fan. We were at a high school football fan or a game on Friday night. We try to go when we can, most, most Fridays. And if you're at a high school that is particularly bad at football or particularly good, we're in one that, I won't even say the name, but we won one game, I think, in the last two years. So, you know, the first half, the crowd's into it, especially early in the season. Second half, people are ready to talk. And so stand at the fence and see what the Lord might do. See, at a football game, at any large crowd, there are hurting and confused people that are trying to make sense of life without the Lord. And you know the Lord, and so you have something for them. I'm not talking about an awkward, I'm not talking about interrupt their life and wreck them. I'm talking about build relationships with people and get to know them and show them you genuinely care for them and watch the Lord bring in a harvest. See, he said it's plentiful. The harvest is plentiful. So any human interaction could be a harvest interaction. It really could be. But it's not enough to see it. Like, I could actually see this egg, and when I was little, we, my relatives always had an, an egg hunt, and the plastic ones always had money in. So we always looked for those. But I could see that and not care about it. Now as a boy, if I knew I had money in it, I cared greatly about it. But let's say I saw it, I just don't care. I don't want to bend over. I don't want to 
hurt my back. I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'll just look at it. That's nice. Well, the third idea is it's not enough to see it. You have to have a heart of compassion. And the best way to cultivate a heart is to hear our Lord's heart for the harvest. Matthew 9.36 When he saw the crowds, I mean, keep these crowds in mind. This is a, a mixture of all kinds of walks of life. This is a, most of the crowds had high medical needs because there were not hospitals and doctors as we know it. So there were desperate people. And they, they, they were noisy crowds, most likely, particularly once they caught wind that, that Jesus could actually heal and cure. And he had. So there's probably a lot of pushing, probably a lot of swearing, probably a lot of just mess, a lot of hurting people. And when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. William Hendrickson, a commentator, said the sorrow of the The sorrows of the people are Christ's own sorrows. The sorrows of the people, the brokenness, the hurt, the pain of the people, they're Christ's sorrows. Your sorrows are His sorrows. Those who don't know the Lord, their sorrows are His sorrows. See, He came and paid the ultimate price for the sorrows of the people. He showed, He demonstrated His compassion by resisting sin in every way and dying for a bride that was very messy and broken. See, Jesus was moved with great compassion to the crowd. I mean, start with your own life. He has great compassion on you. He had great compassion when He brought you to Him by faith. He had great compassion. Some of us had a mess on our hands when we met the Lord. And he did so with great, moving compassion. And it tells us why. Why do you have compassion? Because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Some other words to describe the idea of harassed and helpless here. They were distressed, severely troubled. One of the images is of being battered. Picture like a an old sailboat just getting drilled by the wind and the waves. They were bruised. They were worn out. They were exhausted. Jesus saw them as inwardly devastated. And He had compassion on them. He was moved towards them. See, I'm from the eastern side of the state. The western side is, in some ways, this is a general statement, there's exceptions to this. Eastern side is a little bit of like a fake nice. And the western side is uh, gruff on the outside. And so um, I'm at a lot of sporting events and stuff, and so I get to interact with some gruff grandmas who are uh, just gruff and rough around the edges. But underneath that, I talked to one. I remember my son was wrestling, and I was there to pick him up. And as she began to talk, she told me how she's raising her three grandsons. Her son is in prison for murder. And I thought, she can swear at me all day. She needs the Lord. She needs to know Jesus. And so she's gruff. But there's a reason behind that hurt and that brokenness. And see, the Lord 
being the Lord. He, he knows that. He knows that. And so when Joe shared today at the mic, and he said, there, there might be some of you who have this person in mind or people in mind. Maybe it's your whole extended family that you don't even know if you, you pray for their salvation anymore. You, you wouldn't even be excited if they, they came to Christ. Well, the Lord wants to shift that in you. He wants you to remember the love and compassion Christ had for you, and may that be a motivation to them. Not only that, he wants to surprise you by saving them. So a lot of us are on social media. We all have love-hate relationships with social media. Um, On Facebook, one of the things I said, we all got the snooze feature, and let's be honest, you snooze a lot of people at times. I've, I've been guilty of snoozing some people. Um, but, but some of the people I keep on all the time are my relatives who do not know the Lord. And they blast everything. They blast it with great language and, and vibrancy. And, and I don't leave it on because I agree with them. I leave it on because I, I love them and I want to hear what's ticking inside my aunts and uncles and cousins who don't know the Lord. And I want to pray for them. I want to remember to pray for them. So when they're saying crazy, wild things in a very colorful way, to me it's a reminder, okay, I need to pray for my aunt. I need to pray for my uncle. I need to pray for my cousins. And I need to have my heart softened towards them. Let's not make this too hard. All of you have hobbies and interests. And you have people you gravitate towards. So I want you to pray and think, well, who are the people I gravitate towards? Maybe you're a golfer. Golfing's a great way to spend time with people. I'm not a golfer, but it's a great way to walk and talk. Maybe you have uh, someone in a care home right now and you find yourself there a lot. Pray, Lord, is there anybody else that I can encourage and have compassion on as I'm walking down the halls. Maybe you're a professor. Lord, are there there other professors in my department that I could love and care for and share the good news of Jesus Christ? Maybe you're an athlete. Maybe you're in all kinds of sports. Think of all those things in terms of people. IUP students, college is a wonderful, wonderful time to build relationships with people. I, to the neglect of my study, spent so much time in the Oak Grove talking to people about the Lord. So I don't recommend that. Go to class, study, but then play Frisbee. Spend time out in public with people and watch the Lord bring people in. If you're a farmer, for those of you, I know a number of the the teens in the church spent the week at the fair. Maybe you're going to go to another fair. Think of that in terms of lost souls or those being brought into the kingdom that God wants to draw. As many of you know, one of my particular groups of people that my heart breaks for all the time are men and women enslaved to alcohol and other drugs. And a number of us go to rehabs and um, two of our members go to the local jail and, and I go weekly with, with my friend Craig in the church to, to have Bible studies at Conowago. And do you know what I see when I see these men? So you show up, we try to show up, up at the smoke break on purpose. 
Because now you've got 15 minutes where you can either play basketball or get smoke blown in your face with pretty rough guys who just got out of prison, but they're broken and they're confused. And when I look at them, I see dads. Many of them are fathers. I see guys who think they are worth nothing, who as they look out, they have no hope or future. Many of them are young men who do not think that they will live past their 20s. I see grandparents who are raising their kids. I see grandmas who have been robbed from their grandsons and granddaughters. But I also see a harvest. I see a whole group of people that the Lord wants to save and rearrange. And that's why we go. That's why we go every week. Because of what can be because of Jesus Christ. In many ways, I see myself. I see what I could have been apart from the grace of Christ invading my life. I can remember so vividly being 100% convinced I would not live outside of my 20s because of my choices and my lifestyle. So whatever your group, may you have the Lord's compassion. This is what Jesus said about his own fellow Jews. And hear his heart here. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. So they're killing the prophets that the Lord's sending out. And this is what he says. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing. See, the Lord said, I, would, I just want to scoop you up. I want to gather you up. I want you to have salvation. I want you to be free by trusting in me. I want you to have true life and true joy. See, that's what the Lord wants to do for all of us. Imagine if our entire church, imagine if every church in this area, whenever we went out in public, we had a harvest mentality. We thought, who's the Lord going to bring in now? At this football game. Who's the Lord going to awaken at work tomorrow morning? It would change the way we pray. It would change the way we talk. It would change the way we interact with people. The last verse, and let's have the band come up as I just go to this last verse. Philippians 1.8 says, For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. This affection is like, it's like a parental affection. You know, those of you who have kids or grandkids, you love them even when they're messy, even when they're rebellious, even when they're running away from you or the Lord. You have a deep down affection See, the Lord wants us to have this kind of affection towards those He's brought in and those He will bring in. See, God's calling every one of you to be increasingly active in the use of your gifts and talents to minister Christ to those around us. Next week, we're going to get into more of the specifics. But this week, I just ask you to pray that the Lord would stir your heart. Let's pray and stand, and we're going to sing a final song. Father, thank you. For your loving compassion, Jesus, 
Thank you for your heart of compassion. Thank you that you are a great and mighty Savior. Lord, we ask that you, Holy Spirit, would ignite and stir and spark something in us that would be different and would would be impossible to put out. Even if we want to not share the gospel, we would be so compelled. Even if we don't want to take that phone call, we would be so compelled. Even if we don't want to turn around and say hi to the person behind us in line, we would be so compelled. And uh, your bride would be different because of that. Lord, give us courage and boldness and faith and affection. And we'll give you all the praise. And we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.